When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. To make your daughter cry, I apologize a trillion times. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Woo-hoo. All right, 208. McMonagle here with you. You just heard a cut there that, that really bothers me that I just heard from David Stern's new baseball uh, president of baseball operations for the Mets in his first offseason. The idea that the New York Mets and Steve Cohen the richest owner in baseball, who's a pro- who's worth approximately $13 billion, who's going to build up that, uh, that site in Flushing, build it up nice, hotels, casinos. A guy who money is no object in the biggest market in the world who has changed who they are from the Wilpons in previous ownership. The idea that a president of baseball operations would tell you that there is a, quote-unquote, a lot of different ways to describe success. No, there isn't. There is not. There's one way to describe success. You want to be, you if the Met fans, if you guys think that you have now entered the realm of the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox for a time, although they're doing things a little bit differently. If you want to be one of the big boys, one of the big payroll guys, one of the richer teams in baseball, as you should be, and as you've been acting for the most part over the last couple of years with giving out big-time contracts, and I understand it hasn't brought you championships, nor has it brought championships to the New York Yankees, and I threw them in the mix. But they spend money, and they run their team a different way. And if you want to be one of those teams that win every year, you want to be one of those teams that are in the playoffs every year, competing for a championship every year, there's one measure of success. There's one. There's not a lot. There's not many different. There's not several. There is no there's only there is not, you know, multiple ways to describe success for the New York Mets. There is one way, and it's winning. That's it. It's nice to, you know, build up a farm system. It's nice to have great talent. It's nice to be well run. It's nice to have nothing but players that the fans can get behind. It's nice to sell jerseys. It's nice to sell tickets. It's nice to have casinos and restaurants and different things you could do around the ballpark as opposed to look for a muffler or a side mirror. I, I get it. I get it. Those things are nice. But if you're looking for success, it's found in the postseason, and it's found in the World Series. Same measure for the Yankees, and that's why Yankee fan after Yankee fan and the owner will tell you the Yankees have been unsuccessful since 2009. Now, do they hold on to people like Brian Cashman who have been unsuccessful since 2009? Yeah, they'll still, they won't fire anybody. If you want heads to roll at every turn, no one's suggesting that. But you cannot do an interview right as the season's about to start and tell me and tell your fan base while trying to couch it by then saying, but we expect to have a competitive team this year. You cannot tell your fan base that there are many ways to judge success. And at the end of the year, if we are not a playoff team, 
if we are not a team competing for a championship, if we have a losing season, there'll be other things to turn to, Met fans. Don't you worry. There are other measures of success. We can look at many different things. How have we built up our farm system? How many prospects do we have? How do the young players perform? Come on, Chris. There's many levels. There's many different ways to describe success. And we'll see where we are at the end of the year, and I'll lie to you and point out a myriad of different ways where I think we were successful. That is a bunch of horse manure. That is verbal garbage. There is one way to judge success when you're the New York Yankees. There is one way to judge success when you are the New York Mets. And again, I do not mean that if they do not reach that level of success year one of, of of David Stearns or do not reach the World Series championship in a couple of years or whatever the case may be, that heads need to roll. But that's the measure of the ultimate success is winning. And not even necessarily winning the World Series, but winning and being a team that starts every single year with the objective and the opportunity and the expectation of winning a World Series. And right now, that's not what the Mets are. And as... Jorge Soler, a former World Series MVP. He's led the league in home runs before. He had a good year last year. He was an all-star. As they has now signed a three-year deal with the Giants, we don't know what the numbers are just yet. It's literally happening as we speak. The Mets are yet to sign a competent veteran bat that they desperately need if they want to even come closer, give themselves a chance to have success this year. And that is frustrating to me. And I'm not even a freaking Met fan. That's frustrating to me. And I don't like the idea that the baseball president of baseball operations is going to tell you, hey, there's different ways to measure success. You know who says that? Losers. Losers say that. That's what losers say. Losers say, well, you know, oh, sure, the record's what it is, but there are many ways to measure success. That's what losers say. That's what losers say. Now, I listen, anything's possible in the world of today. They might add at the deadline. There's a lot of playoff teams. They, I'm not even saying they cannot, absolutely no way in hell will this team find a level of, of success. But they're already couching it for you. And I don't like the mindset of the new baseball, the new president of baseball operations telling you there's many different ways to measure success because there isn't. Not when you want heavy lies the crown, my friends. And if you want to jump in and consider yourself in the same ballpark, which you haven't for years with the Wilpons, of the Los Angeles Dodgers, of the New York Yankees, of the teams that spend, and of the big boys who won't, you know, trade away their own superstars to save a buck, then there's only one judging, there's only one way to judge success. There is not many. There's one. So... Over his tenure, I'm sure he's going to admit that that level of success has to be matched. Right now, he doesn't seem to care. Right now, this year, this particular season, there are many ways to have success. And I can only hope that in the future that will turn to one, because that's what the answer is. There's one way to have success, and there's one way to judge it, and it's winning baseball games. And that includes, for me, Pete Alonso. So now that I've ripped him a little bit, and I'm, uh, I, ripped off, I ripped that comment, Let me tell you some of the good stuff here, or at least the stuff I don't have a problem with, and the stuff I deem the way they should be handling business. And not giving Pete Pete Alonso an extension is 
good business. And I'll tell you why. And I have told you why. But as you heard again in this interview, where he pretty much tells you flat out, a couple weeks ago he spoke and he made it pretty clear that, you know, they want him, but we have to see. I don't know. Now he's pretty much told you, look, he's a Boris client. He's going to want to make a lot of money. He's gotten this close to free agency. We're not going to sign him until free agency. And Evan's going to have a Evan's going to be able look like he's going to be able to perform in a ZZ Top cover band by the time that Pete Alonso signs a contract with the New York Mets. That's what you're in store for uh, an entire year of waiting for Pete Alonso and and watching him and hoping he wants to stay and asking those questions all year long. And then if you get off to bad starts, wondering what they would do come trade deadline, if they are not in the mix for a postseason appearance, what they will do at the trade deadline for Pete Alonso. That'll be a talking point all season long. But here's why I have no problem with this prospect and why I had no problem with the way the Yankees handled Judge and why I don't mind not giving superstars extensions when they are this close to the free agency. And now, I don't know if you want to call Pete Alonso a superstar, but he's a star. He's one of the, he's the premier, even more than Judge, if, if you want to just consider health and how many games he plays. He plays 150 games a year. He hits 40 home runs a year. He drives in 100 RBIs a year. That is That does not grow on trees. He is a terrific Major League Baseball player. He's turned himself into a pretty damn good first baseman. To the very least, he won't hurt you there. He's a solid guy there. And ultimately, he could be the face of your franchise and the best position player to ever put on your uniform. And so for me, he has to be a lifelong Met. Now, giving him an extension now or giving him an extension last year or you know, not allowing him to hit free agency does at least guarantee you the part of him wearing the uniform forever. But here's my point. When you are Steve Cohen, and this is where people get it wrong, because people go, well, why not extend him? Steve, I was listening to the morning show. I think they have this whole thing wrong. I was listening to the morning show. I was listening to Jerry, and I was listening to, to Gio uh, last week talk about this Pete Alonso situation and say, hey, why don't if they wanted him, why don't they, resign, why don't they give him an extension? I mean, money's not an option. Steve Cohen has all the money in the world. Why not extend him? You're missing, you're not, if you, if that's your point, you're misreading what money does. Money gives you the affordability to not have to extend it. That's what money does. Money allows you to play this thing out, and playing this thing out is exactly what you should do. Because if you watch the judge situation, watch exactly how that went down. Now, Brian Cashman ended up giving out the numbers at the end of the, the, the beginning of the year, which pissed him off a little bit, but ultimately, he re-signed, and what did he do? He had a chip on his shoulder that he didn't get the contract he wanted and had the best year of his career. And if they're going to want to win this year, if they are going to have a measure of success, or at least what I deem a measure of success, Pete Alonso is going to have to have a pretty freaking good year. So I have no problem with giving Pete incentive. I don't think there's anything wrong with giving players incentive. Put it out there. Play great and we're going to have to pay you more. Play great, hit free agency, make yourself wanted, make yourself desirable to every other team in baseball, and we're going to have to pay you more. And that's where the money comes in. Because if you can offer $325 million to a pitcher who's never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball to keep up with the Joneses of the New York, of the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees, well, then you can pay your all-star first baseman and best home run hitter in Major League Baseball, whatever it takes to keep up with the Joneses, whoever they may be, in this coming offseason. You play this out, you incentivize him to have a monster season. If he does, you pay him. 
If he gets hurt, knock on wood, last thing I'm rooting for. If he gets hurt, if he doesn't perform, if he has a down year, now you signed him. Now you signed him on cheap money. Here's the point: information is king. And whatever you might think you already know about Pete Alonso, whatever I might already know and I think about Pete Alonso, getting another year of information and watching Pete Alonso play under your new baseball uh, president of baseball operations. One day I'll just say president before baseball. I'm not sure when, but eventually I will not say baseball the first word when I describe him. President of baseball operations, David Stearns. A year under new manager. A, a year under this new Met regime see how it goes, incentivize him to have a monster year, and then because you're Steve Cohen and the richest man in baseball, you will pay him. You will let him test the market. You will find out what that market brings him. He might find out it's less than he even thinks. And then you will sign him. That's what the Yankees do. For the most part, that's what the Dodgers do. You do not have to run this like the Atlanta Braves and take shots. You do not have to run this like the Tampa Bay Rays, and sign their shortstop to a long-term deal because they don't know if they can afford him later. You do not You do not have to run this like other franchises who can't afford the big money, like the Kansas City Royals who want to give you know, um, their star shortstop, Bobby Witt Jr., a long-term deal because they don't know if they'll be able to sign him in free agency. That is not you anymore. The New York Mets are the richest franchise in baseball. They have the richest owner in baseball. If he wants someone, he can go get someone. There is no reason to extend Pete Alonso. It would not be smart. Play this year out. Let him incentivize him to have a monster year, carry you to the postseason, and then give him his money. That's how the Mets should handle it, the same way the Yankees should. Do you like the idea that there might be a you know an arson judge type tweet where you're scared he's going to the Chicago Cubs or you're scared he's going you know somewhere else, San Francisco Giants, you're scared he's going to the Seattle Mariners, you're scared he's going somewhere else? Yeah, there may be a day or two of that. But I promise you, much like your star pitcher, much like the face of your franchise, Jacob deGrom, if he leaves, it's because the owner wanted him to leave. Plain and simple. So for me, this is easy. This discussion is over. Pete Alonso is not getting an extension. He's playing out the year. He's hitting free agency. And you've just put the biggest chip on his shoulder and put out and dangled the biggest carrot of a contract. And hopefully you get the best year out of Pete Alonso. And if you don't, you saved yourself money. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. You don't sign him. Let him have that big year, and then you pay him. What are you worried about saving a couple bucks if you get him on a better contract now? I know you want him in the uniform. He doesn't want to leave, and your owner is the richest man in sports. If they don't sign him, it's because they don't want him. Plain and simple. And they're not going to give him an extension now if they don't want him. So you might find out how they view him. But this is exact. I think this, uh, they should sign, they should have signed Soler. They should now look to J.D. Martinez. They should bring in another bat to this team to give this offense a little bit more punch to try and get over the hump and be a playoff team this year. That's what they should do. But I have, and I'm, I'm vexed. I'm completely vexed. And how they've handled this offseason, how they've treated 2024. Completely vexed. But they've handled the Pete Alonso thing completely correctly. Let him play. Let him hit 50 home runs. Let him ask for $250 million. And if someone's willing to give him 250, then you have to give him 250. And you know what? Your owner can afford it. 877 337 6666. All right, Matt fans, you tell me. 
You tell me. Are you comfortable letting Pete Alonso is not going to be uh, uh, signed to a contract this year? That's okay. You have to sign him, though. You have to sign him. He's too good not to be here. You have you do, uh, you do not have the richest owner in baseball and allow your best players to walk. Nope. I also don't think you punt on seasons, but they've done that. Are they willing to let him go? They let Jacob Degrom go. Turned out to be the right move, right? Can't argue it now. I argued it then. Can't argue it now. Turned out to be the right move. Will they make the right move with Pete Alonso? 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. Baseball just a mere couple days away. I saw people, I actually saw ball players at the ballpark holding bats, taking swings. Apparently, uh, uh, Shohei Otani, the greatest baseball player in the world, the greatest baseball player in the history of the sport. (laughs) Take that. Apparently, he had 20 swings and hit 11 home runs. So he's ready to go off his Tommy John or whatever elbow surgery he had. He's ready to become middle of the lineup with Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani. Ugh. I can't wait till someone beats the Dodgers in the playoffs. It's going to be glorious. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Play fake. Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right. I get the. I was just talking to uh, <clears throat> Fleegs on the other side. Solaire does sign a three-year deal. I mean, I don't, not ideal. I'm sure the Mets didn't want to give him three years. He is a power hitter. Um, I was just looking at his stats. Uh, this computer would ever work. Maybe it was on my phone. Um, how old is Solaire to give him a three-year deal? That does sound like a lot. I got him right here. 31, and he's oh, he's going to be 32. So it's going to be his 32-year season. Yeah, to get him from 32 to 35, a power bat. All right, I, yeah, I mean, look, I, I wouldn't have loved – he had 36 home runs last year, drove in 75 runs. He played 137 games. I mean, 36 home runs in 137 games, it's pretty good. Um, he hit 250, uh, OPS of 853. I mean, he's a good ball player. He's very good. He's a good power hitter. He's, he's performed in the postseason, won a World Series MVP. Um, you know, but I can get three years, but now J.D. Martinez is still out there. Go out and get a bat. You have to get a bat here. You you have to give somebody, you just, uh, you can't rely. You know, Mauricio going down sucks. It definitely hurt the idea of getting him a good look at third base. But right now, listen, you know, Beatty and Vientos is just not, it's just not good enough. You could still find out about them. Like, that's the thing. You don't have to completely leave their, them as the only option at third base and DH to, like, really feel like, oh, you got to look. Like, I know Stearns keeps saying that. You got to, he believes in letting the young players play. They don't have to get 600 at bats. Like, there is a way to still see who they are while giving yourself a chance with another bat, the little more reliable bat in their case. Like, I just, I'm down on this season for the Mets, and maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe I will be. I'm looking forward to this to the year. I am. I'm looking for, and, I, and I'm one of these Yankee fans. I might poke if provoked first. Now you guys start knocking the Yankees, I'll I'll come back and and kill the Mets. And to be totally fair, like, this is how I view myself as a Yankee fan for the Mets. 
I'll be totally transparent with you. I don't lie. This is the honest to God truth. I want the Mets to do well. All right, I work here. We talk about them. I honestly, believe me or not, I wish the Mets success. I will root for them in almost every game that they don't play the Yankees. I will say occasionally if the Yankees have a tough loss, I will be, you know, just that nature of misery loves company. So if the Yankees have a brutal loss or on a losing streak, the last thing I want to hear is that the Mets are doing great. There's part of me that that's the case. I'll admit it. So every once in a while, if the Yankees have a brutal loss to the Red Sox or the Rays or the, you know, the Astros or something like that, and then suddenly, you know, the Mets are on a five-game winning streak and beat the Braves, I'll be like, because, but that'll be my Yankee disappointment. I honestly root for the Mets. And this year, I want to, you know, I want them to have a great year. I want them to play in the playoffs. I want them to, you know, build something here. And that's all they're focused on is building. And this year is has just gone by the wayside. He has no interest. Stearns gives me the appearance of a GM who understands he's just sat down. And he's going to say he wants to see the menu. He doesn't want He's not a regular. He's not going to just sit down and, you know, give me my regular, Sal. I don't know why I said Sal. I just did. Give me my regular. And out comes the cheeseburger and the Budweiser. Like, he wants to sit down. He wants to look at the menu. He wants to get a feel for the place. He wants to sit around and see how the, the wait staff handles everybody. Like, he's getting a, 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 a view of everything. And then next year, for, I'm watching the stupid penalty. I'm watching the stupid foul on Brunson on replay. It still pisses me off. That is not a foul. Not in that situation, one-handed, you know, leaning to his right off a, a, a long block where he barely he picks it up in his shoelaces and then throws it up in the air and you call a foul on that. It's atrocious. But, yeah, I'm down on the Mets season. 877-337-6666. Brody and Waterbury. What's up, Brody? Hey, C-Mac. How you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? Good. So I just wanted to mention the uh, Stearns comments. I know you've been talking about it. But yeah. It seems like to me... Uh, he is trying to make a point that he is not going to operate as a Mets fan like Steve Cohen does. Yes. Um, and on top of that, I think, you know, there's almost no way Pete Alonso is coming back. <laughs> and why is that? I, I, well, he, he seemed to think that the, his statements tell me that there's some tension between him and Scott Boris. I think maybe he's asking um, for too much. Or yeah, well, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he is. Aggressive. I'm sure he's asking for more than they want to give him. Absolutely. Then, especially on a year where they don't have to give it to him. Absolutely. That's the same thing with Judge. Judge was asking for upwards of $300 million. They didn't want to give it to him. They offered him 220 And they couldn't come to an agreement. And then, you know what? He hit 50, he hit 62 home runs, and they had to pay him. And I think right now what they're doing is they're gambling. And I think they're going to revisit it in the free agency. And if he has a down season, they'll sign him. If not, there's a very highly likelihood that the, the highest bidder, which won't be the Mets. Why? I'm predicting that. But all right, but you're pre- I, you're predicting it. But why? What's the what's the logic behind it? Other than just it's the Mets, they won't do it. They don't, you know. Why? Well, the logic behind it is his comments now are telling me that uh, Scott Boris is being aggressive. He's asking for too much. So if you're making the statement now, you're telling Mets fans we're not going to pay, you know, above and beyond. No, I, 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 dis- I disagree. They're n- no, they're they're not going to pay above and beyond right now, and they don't have to. The reason, you know, he he's under contract this year. 
Well, they don't have to go give him big money. It doesn't mean they won't next year. And Boris is asking for a lot, sure, because they're going to be, you know, eating up another younger year. Like it's like he's asking for what he's asking for. Pete Alonso is worth what they deem him to be worth right now. If he has another great year, right now he's not allowed to test the market either. Like if if Boris comes back to him, like the Giants just offered us two twenty, and then the, the Mets will have to adjust and make a decision. I don't. I don't. You don't. Uh, they didn't want to give Judge a contract. Do you think the Yankees don't like Judge? They turned around, signed him for three hundred and sixty, and made him captain. Like it doesn't That's mean fair. it doesn't mean anything. All they're saying but, is right now it doesn't make sense. And Boris loves to take his clients to free agency to test the market. Do you do you feel like if you were Pete Alonso, you'd be you know somewhat irritated by the Mets saying you know we're not gonna? You got him back. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll wait till we have a bad season. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And no, I got gotcha. you. We'll go from there. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe. Sure. Is it enough to not want to sign with the Mets? Is it enough to forego everything you know when they offer you just as much money as everybody else in the offseason next year? I mean, it, Judge was pissed off. Judge was vis- <laughs> Judge was obviously, and I know I keep referring it to Judge, Alonzo's his own man. Uh, it's a different situation. Not all, it's not completely apples to apples, but I'm just, it's it's a similar situation in New York, player on free agency. He was pissed. He was pissed that the Yankees uh, that and Brian Cashman in the press conference gave the contract they offered to make him look like a, a bad guy wanting too much money. They were pissed, and he was yep. pissed, and yet he signed. And the San Francisco Giants offered him a ton, and the San Diego Padres offered him $400 million, and he still came back to the New York Yankees. I'm just saying that all of this doesn't mean he won't be back. Will he be pissed at this? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's a it's plausible. I've hit a ton of home runs for your franchise. I've been the leader of this team. I've done a lot for you. I've promoted the brand. I've I've been in the home run derby. You know, I'm I'm one of the stars of this franchise, and you guys don't want to negotiate with me. And I, you know, I deserve this. How could you not think I deserve this? But all players go through this. Every one, a lot of them go through arbitration and get bad mouth. Corbin Burns was pissed at the um, the the. Um, Milwaukee Brewers because they badmouthed them in arbitration. Like this is, uh, and if you're, he's gone Dil- now. yeah, I know, he got traded. And Dylan Batansis was pissed off. And there, you know, guys who get pissed off. It's the sport. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Are you telling me he'll turn down Met money to go somewhere else because he's so pissed off? I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. I don't. I don't see him turning down even money. But if. You know, he might not take a penny less. You're right. He might not take a, a judge took less money. The San Diego Padres came in at the last minute and offered him more, and he turned it down. And 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 again, it's a different situation with San Diego. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would be surprised. To me, I'd be surprised if it's not. If they don't want him, they don't want him. If they want him, he'll be here. I don't. I, and I don't care. I don't think he'll be that pissed off. It's business. It's business. They get him for six years. That's how it works. He was pissed off when they didn't call him up that first year. Remember, him and his agent went out and made things public. He was unhappy that they didn't bring him up to, to save the extra year. Like that's it's, it's sports. It's a business. He's made plenty of money. He'll continue to make money. He's making good money this year. And next year, he'll go to free agency and get what he's worth. But I, I, I don't think he'll be so pissed off he won't sign with the Mets. I think it's just Met. Um, typical Met fan, you know, pessimism to think that Alonzo, that you know Alonzo won't be a Met. I mean, I can't guarantee it for you, but I don't think there's anything that's been said or anything that's been done 
that really makes me feel like there's no chance these two sides won't come to an agreement. I don't think the comments made about how these guys typically hit free agency. It's a it's how it works. They've only, I mean, the same thing. Pretty much, it's been the same thing. I mean, with the Yankees now, even forget the Judge situation. What about the Soto situation? I think the Yankees would love to sign him to a long term contract right now today. At least that's how I feel. I guess there are other people who don't think he's going to sign, but or that the Yankees have no intention of signing him. I'd be shocked if that was the case, but he's he's a Scott Boris client. He's going to hit free agency. They are going to see what he gets on the free market, and sometimes it helps, sometimes it hurts. Right now, a lot of his clients are struggling. I mean, Blake Snell, I have no idea what his market is right now. The Yankees, as far as I know, are still the only team that even offered him a contract, and it was about $100 million less than he's looking for. I have no idea what's going on with Montgomery. It sounds like he's just waiting for Texas to, you know, hit the lottery or something because the, it sounds like they just, he's just waiting for them to get a big enough stockpile to offer him a contract. I have no idea what's going on with Bellinger. Have you heard one word about Bellinger? I actually saw someone uh, put me, someone t- uh, tweeted at me showing a, a tweet that John Boy sent out. Uh, that's didn't It didn't mention me or anything, but it knocked what I did. Uh, every year, it's a tradition. I do it every year. Yeah, it's the it's the month it's the annual pancake breakfast. We the monthly pancake breakfast. We do we do it every month. I, I'm aware of that. Every year, I tweet out as soon as the Super Bowl ends. It's baseball season. I've been doing it forever. It's like my thing. I didn't I didn't know it's such a a, ca- a cavalier uh, or not cavalier is not the right word. I was unaware it was such a, a normal custom that many people do it. I thought I was unique in it. Apparently, I'm not. I might have been a couple years ago. I am no longer. Um, so John Boy tweeted out, obviously you don't know who John Boy is, John Boy Media, John Boy was the, he really made a name for himself doing the videos of, uh, lip reading and he was the savage in the box video and that's really what, uh, but he does the Talking Yanks podcast, big fan of John Boy. Keith McPherson worked for John Boy, uh, before he came here, I'm a big fan of John Boy, but apparently he tweeted out, it's tough for all of us baseball lovers to go out and tweet it's baseball season when it's absolutely dead at the moment and nothing is going on. And he's not wrong. Someone tweeted at me and tweeted at him, how could you do C-Mac like this? I don't think that was his intention. But he's not wrong. I do it because it's tradition. But right now, it doesn't feel like baseball season. Nothing. I mean, hopefully in two days when pitchers and and, uh, catchers report, you'll have some enthusiasm. But, like, maybe the Solaire thing will spark something. But right now, I have no. we haven't heard a single thing about Bellinger in months. I mean, months. I have no idea what's going on with Bellinger. We haven't heard anything about Snell. We haven't heard anything about Montgomery. We haven't heard anything about Chapman. Like, there's a lot of guys out there who are still damn good. I mean, it's the last year's Cy Young Award winner can't find a home. One of the key cogs of a rotation that was the dominant force in a World Series championship can't find a home. The best offensive player that hit free agency besides Otani can't find a home. One of the better two-way and certainly defensive third basemen in the league and Chapman can't find a home. There's a lot of guys who can't find a home, and I don't know what the hell's going on. But it's still baseball season to me because I love it. 877-337-6666. And that's why I'm fighting for you, Met fans. That's why I'm fighting for you. I want your season to be better than this than your new president of baseball operations wants it to be. 244. McMonagle here with the 877 337 
66. You know, I, I'm I'm not against uh, uh, Taylor Swift. I've I've always been. I think it's stupid the people who hate on her, and but I've also never really been that jealous of her until now. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. The New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, on the Alonzo thing, too, um, Mike just made a good point as we're talking about it. Like, because the last caller was like, aren't you going to, don't you think Alonzo's going to be pissed off that the Mets, this and that? Maybe earlier he was, but the point that that's over because. Once he hires Boris, he's making a statement to me. Boris doesn't give – Boris is going to free agency. You hire Boris to go to free agency. So when he exchanged – when he changed the, his his agency and he decided to go with Scott Boris, he made a statement to the Mets. I'm going to free agency. Like this – that's the plan. So I don't think he's mad anymore. He might have been. That might have been what spurned – you know, I think that's probably – I think that's a fair, accurate assessment of what might have gone on here. He went to the Mets. Hey, this is what I think is fair. I'm looking for an extension. Let's get this done now. And then he didn't find them receptive to his ideas, and he said, screw it. I'll go hire Scott Boris, and I'll get every penny out of you. And that's what's going to happen, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the Mets paying for him. That's what should happen. Earn your money. You're not the, you don't have to do these things. Like I understand the... the <clears throat> The Atlanta Braves are doing this, and everyone's baffled by how girl they sign all these kids. They get they trade them over, and then they take ten cents on a dollar to sign long term deals. I, I get it, but you don't have to be the team that gives extensions. There's nothing that says you have to, because you know what? As a Yankee fan, they've done two in recent history, if at ever. Like I think might be their only history. Severino and Hicks, <laughs> those are the two guys they decided to give long term deals to. And rip up their contracts and give them extensions through some free agency years. Severino and Hicks, and I think they broke their uh, every they broke every bone in their body signing the contract. They never they never played again. And in Hicks's case, we wish that were true. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. And the other thing about baseball free agency is me and uh, Fleeks were just talking about it. Like some of the, it's one thing for you know, it's one thing for. <clears throat> Some of these hitters. It's one thing for like a JD Martinez, who I'm hoping the Mets would sign. It's one thing for a you know obviously even just the top class uh, Bellinger and, and some of these guys. You want to wait to get into camp. You you know you're working out. You take your hacks. I think even um, Boris puts together a camp of of unsigned free agents where they go down there and he hires coaching staffs and stuff and they work and kind of you know begin camp. But as a starting pitcher, like if you're gonna be if you're Blake Snell, one besides the fact that everyone batter pitcher whoever. You want to know where your home is going to be for the next however many years. You want to get ready for the season. You want to get a place. You want to like establish your life that's going to be involved in this city and then if, obviously moving forward, but just in the short term, you want to get something together here. But as far as like the actual playing of the sport and being a productive member of the team, I mean, if you're if you're Snell, don't you want to get with your coaching staff and you know, start working with things? Don't you want to start figuring out what they think you do best, how they want you to go about business? Because there's a lot to the science of pitching. Hitting is yeah, you get a hitting coach, you work on different things, you have a philosophy, you know. But for the most part, you know, hitters hit. 
I, I've always believed that. I think the pitching coach is far, 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 far more important than a hitting coach. But, like, pitch, you got to get into camp. Pitchers and catchers report in two days. You got to, I mean, it's crazy that these that it's gone on this long. It's crazy. It's crazy. But we'll find out in two days. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I can't wait to see some highlights of anything. You know those crappy, way-behind-home-plate highlights that you see of spring training games on ESPN for a moment, and you have no idea where the ball is after you hit it, but you just hear the sound of the crack of the bat, and you're like, you know, the video's from like 10 rows up in the second second deck behind home plate. I can't. Give me them. Give me them right now. And they'll, they'll sh- they won't even show you the hit. They'll just show you the guys rounding home plate and touching the base. You know those spring training highlights. They're phenomenal. I can't wait. I need baseball in my life. You have no idea. You have no idea. I can't wait. I got the three televisions ready in the living room, man. I, I can't wait. West Coast getting ready to come in here. And plus, this year, now that my schedule's like opened up during the day and I can get there early, I'm going to be at so many freaking baseball games this year. I can't. I already told my wife. I'm like, sorry. I know I've helped you out a lot with the kids and everything, and I'll still do that. And sort of sure, sure, my son will have practice. I'm going to help coach the baseball teams for both of them. How I'll find the time, I don't know. But I'm going to a lot of baseball games this year. Oh, I am going. And maybe I'll even provide more content. You'll start seeing my fat face on in, on Instagram and Facebook and well not really Facebook but Instagram and Twitter I got to get myself out there more. So I plan on doing a lot of content from the stadium. Me and Keith will probably hook up with doing the podcast again this year. A lot of Yankee talk coming. And speaking of things I love like the Yankees, I don't know if you saw this one. But my man was in the building. That's right, my man. My guy, my idol, my hero. Paul McCartney was at the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw the pictures. I literally, I was again, I was working from home last night, and I turned off all the equipment. I grabbed my phone to see, you know, go upstairs. I'm cleaning up a little bit, and Fliegelman sends me a picture. And he says, did you see this? And I said, no, Fleeks. I did not see this. But Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney hanging out in the luxury box. He's up there. There's a picture of him and his wife shaking hands with Kelsey's father. Ugh, maybe he could teach her a thing or two. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Fleas is on the phone right now. Maybe he could teach her a thing or two about really being a, a musician and really being a superstar, how to deal with everything being in the media, living your life under the microscope. It's a different world, but Paul McCartney can tell you. But can you imagine that? Somehow you got to get in that booth, man. Paul McCartney, Taylor Swift, the Kelsey family. I saw, like, there was another one. It was, like, a crazy. Did you see the booth? Like, someone put out the picture. Like, there was, like, a crazy Super Bowl booth with, like, Gordon Ramsay, Guy Fieri. Um, who was some of the other rappers? It was crazy. Kelly Clarkson, Jimmy Kimmel. I think Jimmy Kimmel is a, a native... Uh, Las Vegas. I don't know if that's a word. I'm probably saying that wrong. I think he. he I think he's born here, grew up there, something like yeah, that. Yeah, because I know he was. He has New York ties too. Yeah, but he. I remember HBO did a documentary on a, on the Running Rebels of UNLV, and he was all over it. I think. And I, think I think he think, produced the uh, the Met thing, the Met eighty six yeah. Mets doc. 
Yeah, so I mean, maybe there's a he, he he born here, grew up in Vegas, something like that. But I know for a fact he talked about not having any sports teams growing up yeah, and how they all he love. went to like some kind of school years in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So but I don't he know. Was, if he, Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons was. I saw the picture. There yeah, were there was a lot, a bunch even of more like, people were missing. Yeah. Oh, Wayne Newton was in that. box. Wayne Newton was in that box. Yeah, it was a very collect. It was a very weird. The guy Wayne, who, when you think of Vegas, yeah, that's true. But Wayne Newton sitting next to Guy Fieri—that's not. You wouldn't expect those two to have a lot in common, but maybe they do. I listen, know. I would watch an hour of those two talking yeah, to each other. No, that's true. That is, I mean, listen, I, I like Guy Fieri. I, you know, I uh, his diner divings and uh, uh, diner drivings and dives was, you know, that's that's one of the easy just passing the time. You're reading, or you don't care what's going on in television. Every once in a while, you pop your head up and you'll see, ooh, that is one hell of a pastrami sandwich. What do you do to that thing? It's perfect Fried background onions. television as long as you're not hungry. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, that is true. But, yeah, I, I, an interesting collective thing. But, yes, Paul McCartney, my guy, was in the booth. As I was saying, you, know, you weren't listening. I think you were screening a call. Uh, maybe you could teach her a thing or two about actually you know, being a musician and living under the, the spotlight. But I think she's got a good grip on it. But yeah, to meet Paul, that would be some duo right there. You have dinner with Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift. But they've known each other for years. I'm sure they, they have. Spent yeah. Time together. yeah, I'm sure they have, right? I'm, I I actually heard Dave Grohl tell a story about uh, Taylor Swift saving him from an awkward moment. They were at a party or something, and Paul McCartney got to the piano and played a song. He didn't mention what song it was, but it was like a Beatles song or something. And then they were doing Beatles songs. And I guess they... Then they said, "All right, Dave, you're up," and like he was like, uh, 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 he just like he was like, "I'm a drummer." Like he was like panicking, and he said Taylor Swift could see it in his face, and she stepped up and just said, "Oh, I'll play something," and she sat at the piano and played "Hey Jude" or something. I and he was like, "I owe her for my life." That might have been the SNL 40th. Yes, I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that was the party. So they started playing Beatles songs or something, and he just like panicked, and Taylor Swift stepped in and played "Hey Jude" or something and saved him. From an embarrassing moment, I saw yeah, they, that they did like a magazine feature together, uh, like during COVID. She's been friends with Stella for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh that's all I want. I just want to meet him once. I just want to meet him once. Didn't um, didn't uh, was that what you? Do you think tra- if did they, Sal like, offer you money you know, to get? Uh... What do you think Travis Kelsey talks to I Paul McCartney about? I have no idea. He doesn't know. No, he has no idea. What does he talk to Paul McCartney about? They both have beards right now. Paul's growing like a little uh, beard for the first yeah, time since like, Let It picture. Be. I showed my dad the picture. He said, who's that? I yeah. said, look. He goes, is that Paul McCartney? I said, yeah. yeah. He goes, the beard confused me. Yeah, I know. He does. He looks different. I, I can't remember a time since literally the end of the Beatles that he had like a big, like he's grown a big beard like that. In my I, lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen him. Like, I've yeah. seen the old pictures, but yeah. not in the last 30-plus years. Yeah, no, and I'm trying to think of any time he was he was on tour. or I mean, I'm sure in his downtime, there's been times where he's grown facially. I don't know. But I'm thinking about when he's when he's gone on tour, you know, any if he was on any album covers like or any TV specials. Like, I haven't seen him in, like, a beard beard since, you know, he probably hasn't been in one publicly since the Let It Be and then during the breakup and early, you know, McCartney time. Like, that's... Long time without a beard. That's maybe he's, just, he's a Yankee fan. It's probably what it is. You think he was locked in when Usher was rollerblading or, or roller yes. skating around the stage? <laughs> I'm sure he was. I actually thought I, I, I don't know. In all seriousness, I would yeah. imagine all the other performers there were like, yeah. "That's pretty cool. I can't do that." Yeah. Well, I have to admit, it is. It, it ended up being pretty cool. But when they first popped up on roller skates, I kind of chuckled in like, "This is really roller skates." And then, and it's not even just like. 
like, I don't know, disco 70s kind of, you know, roller skating to music. It, it, they came out and they were rollerball. It was like, I thought James Conn was going to come out next. Like, it was like they're in shoulder pads. I'm like, what, are they going to throw each other around here? Like, what is going on? And then he comes out. And he starts like skating, and they they manipulate the floor with with lights and made it look like the floor was moving, like like Jamiroquai in um, Virtual Insanity video. And I thought that was actually pretty cool. It ended up being much cooler than I thought. But when they first pop up in the roller skates, I'm like, oh, because Beatles Love has like a segment of roller skating. Like it just seemed, I don't know, like a a, a ridiculous over the top Vegas show instead of just an Usher concert, which I thought a lot of the like I thought when he was on that big round white stage all by himself in the spotlight when he you know before he ripped off his shirt or whatever i don't care during his ripped off of the shirt but like that moment i thought looked cool him by himself then they started doing too much but ultimately i thought it was a great halftime performance and we'll remember the roller skating like it's not as oh, iconic yeah. as left shark with katie perry but no. some of that obscure stuff yeah that's what sticks you with you five ten twenty years yeah. later like um obviously i think prince in the rain is memorable Trying to think of less memorable performances that had a moment, or like, like Lady Gaga jumping off the stage. Didn't she like jump yeah, off or the like stage? the top of the stadium? Yeah, she jumped. Oh, right. Did she come off the stadium? She didn't. She come down from the yeah, roof. She came Man. down from the roof. But I remember. I thought she like jumped off at the end of the performance. Like jumped off like a, a, a like a a platform or something. No, maybe I'm thinking. I don't remember. Didn't Madonna like fall down stairs or something? I don't know. Did she fall down like two or three stairs when she was trying to walk down like sideways? When was the last time Madonna? Was she ever the uh, Giants Patriots? The, yeah. the second one? Yeah. No. Yeah. She was the second. That she was. Yeah, the I think that's the last time I saw a halftime performance. Jeez. That's probably why it sticks in the room. No, I was working the game here. That's why I don't even remember it. That's the last one I think I saw because I didn't see Usher with the roller skates. I heard about it, but I didn't see it. I was. I remember Tom Petty was the first one. I that was seven. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was the Giants' first Patriots. I don't. I don't remember her in the second one. Jeez. Yeah. Nope. No memory. Again, she didn't fall flat on her face. That no, would be plastered like a little stumble. Yeah, she had like a yeah. You could tell like she caught herself before she really fell yeah. down a bunch of stairs. Yeah, like and the thing with Usher for me was like when I first heard it, I was kind of like, eh, Usher, it's been a long time. And then he gets up there and he like he goes through the first four songs and you're like, I know every word of every one of these. Like they're all massive hits. That's why if you're our age, like I was yeah. talking to Jerry this morning, he yeah. didn't know most of the songs. Yeah. I was like, oh, between. I knew every single nah. one. People our yeah. age, you, you know, know more than I, you realize. I yeah. wouldn't know if if you play them and I go, oh, maybe. But I, if you ask me now to name an yeah. Usher song, I wouldn't be able to. I have yeah. no idea. No, that, see, naming is different than hearing and going. I completely oh, I agree. This. Possible, but no, like it, I said, I didn't see last night. That's what I said to myself. I'm like, Usher, what's he gonna do? He's got he's got yeah and a couple other things, and then you forget like he's got all these different songs. Songs. What's going on with you two? You well, guys, you guys are like kids. you guys are like secret lovers or something. <laughs> like every every you guys have all these inside jokes. You, you all you do is all it takes is a half a look out the corner of your eye and you're both chuckling. You're just overly What's sensitive. Nothing on? has anything to do with you. Fleek said something yeah, funny in my yeah, during not, the update. Just not everything's meant for air. I'm not. I, I granted. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're making fun of me or anything. I'm just. I want to be in on the joke. Damn sensitive. I'm yeah. not being sensitive. I, I don't. Under, I'm not in on the joke. Twice now, I caught you guys looking at each other and just crack. All it takes is one little look, and you're cracking up, laughing. He's rolling in his chair. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he's allowed to 
No, do something. He's allowed to talk to me where it doesn't go out in the air. I understand. So I heard that. it in my ear yeah. and I laughed. Well, he laughed, yeah, but when, it, when I'm not included in it, it does kind of make me seem well, like you know I'm what? either not allowed to know it or it's about me. It's just it's awkward. not about you, and it's not in your contract to know every little thing. Oh, that well, that's not in my contract. Oh, no, you know, I'm sorry. I, it's, I thought it was on our just like you know stand up guy friendship contract, but apparently you two have that contract, and I'm on I'm on the outside looking in. Uh, let's be fair. Listen, the sooner you throw to the update, the sooner you'll find out. You say we're still working on that. You're taking shots at me before I even walk in the door. We're yeah. still working on this. I didn't this take shots. I was pointing out no, no. what you casually admitted to the entire Jackals. audience. Jackals. No. You you fully admitted to the audience on the show that you have no life. I'm just on That I am a total loser, yes. Well, that's what but I'm I saying. But I also did say I had a prime. I'm just not currently yeah. in it. Well, I There's know. a difference. I understand that, but that's what I'm saying. There's, and it's been the, a long time so since does the, does the But it does, was a good prime. Does the, the Mr. Hyde still exist in you, you think? Could he, oh, come, could he show up? It's there. It's buried. But it's there, right? But if it, you know, if oh, if provided the, right the opportunity, yeah. yeah, he can. Okay, yeah, he can make. Well, an that's appearance. what I'm saying. There you go. All yeah. right. Yeah, he can make an appearance. We'll have to figure that out. He was a good man. Couple sure. drinks at a steakhouse. Well, that's what I'll see. Couple drinks at a steakhouse. No wedge salad. That's fine. We can we move past the wedge. You guys are both wrong on it. I don't know what to tell you. You have the wedge. Everybody knows it. But that's fine. Even I have to admit though, I was shocked on one thing. Someone tweeted at that that next day. Someone tweeted at me and Craig. And said, "Craig, put this whole bed thing, this wedge salad thing, to rest. What do you do at the at the steakhouse with the wedge salad?" And Craig didn't. He he came out and acknowledged people do it. He goes, "The wedge salad is the most overrated thing in the history of steakhouses." He's like, "People love it. It's it's literally just lettuce and blue cheese. It costs thirty bucks. It's a waste." Thank you, Craig. He's wrong. He's wrong. It's not even good lettuce. It's iceberg. No, but it's crisp and delicious. It is good. It's crisp. It is lettuce is good because it's cold. Yeah, I mean, really, cold and crisp. What are we doing? Do you ever have hot lettuce? It's not as good. Nobody has hot lettuce. Who the hell wants hot lettuce? Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's this is ex- hot. Then it's then it's mush. Then it's right. destroyed. It, of course, it's a big deal. It's cold. It's all cold. That's the point. No, it's but this lettuce. is ice. This is ice cold. This is nice on a chilled oh. plate, even with hot bacon on top. Ooh. It's a good salad. You're nuts. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking. About. I don't know what to tell you. I just don't see the point of. I'm at a steakhouse. Damn, I need the salad. It just yeah, doesn't make any sense. To me. It makes no sense. Makes no you sense. You eat the bread. You get the salad. It's a steakhouse. Makes no sense. All right. 